There are some who'd make me out to be the villain of this here story. Let's don't let a good thing die. Are you born with destiny? Or does it just come knocking at your door? He's a young singer from Memphis, Tennessee. Give him a warm hayride welcome. Mr. Elvis Presley. Get a haircut, buttercup. In that moment, I watched that skinny boy transform into a superhero. to promote you, Mr. Presley. Walk through a party in the town of jail. Are you ready to fly? I'm ready. Ready to fly. Tomorrow, all of America will be talking about Elvis Presley. I can't move, I can't sing. Some people want to put me in jail. So well's moving. They might put me in jail for walking across the street, but you're a famous white boy. The way he sings is God-given, so there can't be nothing wrong with it. Tragedy, but it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with us. told me when things are too dangerous to say, sing. I'm gonna be 40 soon, and nobody's gonna remember me. I need to get back to who I really am. And who are you, Oz? making the most of this thing while I can. This could all be over in a flash. We are the same, you and I. We are two odd, lonely children reaching for eternity. The greatest show on Earth. Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Derek Wong. Hey, welcome back, Amir. Hey, thank you, thank you. Gone for two weeks, completed your move back to New York. That's right, yeah. How you feeling? Everything's good? Yeah, good to be back. Happy to be uh, talking Elvis with you guys. Are you, though? No. <laughs> I said I'm happy to be talking Elvis. I didn't say I was happy to watch the movie. <laughs> oh, we have some spicy takes. I don't know. We haven't talked about this yet, right, guys? So I actually don't know what you guys think. We're talking about this fresh. All right. I just came out of this fresh. I just saw it this afternoon. So I saw it last night. What about you, Derek? When did you see this? Because I saw it last night. 
I saw this opening weekend, so like maybe a week. Oh and wow! Half ago. Okay, the Elvis oh, wow. super fan. Elvis super fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely an Elvis super fan. Yeah, no. <laughs> Baz Luhrmann super fan. Then I was gonna say before we get into Elvis, let's dive into two things. Would like to gauge your guys' interest one on Baz Luhrmann. Samir is asked, are you guys Baz Luhrmann fans? I am. I'm going to say not particularly. I actually like most of the things I've seen of his, but I don't, I don't actively anticipate a Baz Luhrmann flick. You and me, Amir, are very much on the same page. I think every Baz Luhrmann movie I've seen, I've enjoyed. I don't hate them. But I also don't get excited for Baz Luhrmann, right? I don't think it's like a director that excites me like some of the other directors we've talked about on this podcast. But yeah, I genuinely was kind of excited for this i mean i was anticipating just because elvis is such a big figure and then like i mean it has tom hanks and the music i think they use in the trailer was right and i was semi excited semi looking forward to this what about you guys i'm a big baz Luhrmann fan Mm -hmm. i think i've seen everything except for strictly ballroom which is his first uh feature film in 1992 but i've seen everything else romeo and juliet moulin rouge australia the Great Gatsby, and now Elvis. So I always thought he had more films under his belt, but it's only six. This is a sixth film. Wow. Yeah, that's it. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and I like everything. I think everything is pretty good, uh, except for Australia, which is dog shit, but everything else <laughs> is good. Even The Great Gatsby? I like The Great Gatsby. I'm, I'm a The Great Gatsby apologist. I thought that movie was fine. Yeah, I would say it's his maybe second worst. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot better than Australia, I would say. I mean, so his best is Moulin Rouge? His best? Yeah. Uh, I would say Romeo and Juliet over Moulin Rouge. I like Moulin okay. Rouge a lot, but I don't know. I have a real soft spot for Romeo and Juliet. Did we watch that in school? It's good. I feel like we did. Uh, yeah, I did too. I remember watching it in school, um, which is weird. I don't know if that should be shown in school, but yeah, it's fine. I mean, I get why they showed in school, because it keeps the Shakespearean dialogue with the yeah. modern setting which is really cool actually uh mm-hmm. i actually really do like that but yeah i'm a big baz Luhrmann fan i get excited when he gets a new thing out because he's such a maximalist filmmaker and he's probably literally unhinged i think <laughs> i think he's actually borderline insane when he makes his movies and elvis is very indicative of that I mean, if you go back and watch like Romeo and Juliet and like Moulin Rouge and The Great Gatsby, and there's a lot of crazy filmmaking in there that carries over to Elvis. And I'm always excited to see what he does. So, yeah, I like all his stuff, except for Australia. One thing I don't know if any of you mentioned, have either of you seen The Get Down? No, I have not. So this is a a Netflix series about the birth of hip hop in the 70s, which I just think is relevant for what we want to talk about uh, you know, uh, later on when we talk about black music and everything. Is he a creator? It's important to note that... He is a creator on yeah, that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that being received pretty well. Uh, canceled instantly. Canceled instantly. Canceled instantly. <laughs> well, I mean, after one season, but... Yeah. Typical Netflix. Yeah, that's just what Netflix does. Shenanigans, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things about it. I'm curious to see, like, the through line about black music and, you know, with Elvis here, too. Obviously a big part of this movie. Second thing before I guess we get into the main topic of Elvis, the actual Baz Luhrmann movie, is that are you guys fans of Elvis? Like, did you guys listen to his music growing up? Did you, if you ever really listened to his music? I'm curious. 
I feel like everyone, to a certain extent, is a fan of Elvis. Uh-huh. I'm sure there's people who don't like him, but, like, his influence on the pop culture, like, music landscape in the 20th century is, like, undeniable, right? Mm-hmm. There's just so many iconic songs and performances, I mean, that we see in this movie, too, so. Yeah, I'm not, like, an Elvis enthusiast. I'm not, like a super fan or anything, but I like his stuff. So I'm going to say, not the opposite, but I think just because he had an undeniable influence doesn't mean that everyone's a fan, or doesn't even mean that you're a fan. I think you've just been exposed to his stuff. Yeah. But I don't know, like, are you like, oh, I'm going to go put on, like, Hound Dog or some shit like that? Like, no. You're bumping Elvis in the whip? Get the (laughs) fuck out of here. (laughs) You don't fucking listen to Elvis, man. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) It's funny. Growing up as a kid, I listened to a lot of older music and if you're thinking about like some of the most popular artists like we've had growing up i listen to beatles music i listen to like madonna i listen to uh, michael jackson you know i listen to i was thinking this the other day i listened to a lot of queen growing up but like elvis was not one of those artists i don't think i like actively sought out and listened to okay when you put it that way that's true i think because like when you're a kid like you remember putting on you know michael jackson's thriller or, like, the Beatles mm-hmm. records, or Queen, or whatever. But, like, I don't think I ever actually put on an Elvis record either, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But then I was also very surprised when I watched this movie, like, oh, I know this song. And I think that goes to your point, Jeff, where I think his music is very popular and very present in a lot of music nowadays still. Like, you know, it's used a lot in movies or in commercials yeah, or whatever, for sure. right? I went into this movie thinking, like, oh, I don't really know many Elvis songs, I don't but think. But you do. To find out, like, oh, do. I, I do. Yeah, I do. But at the same time, the movie also has a point to say about where Elvis's music came from. There is a little bit of, was he the original artist of a lot of these songs? And like he even specifically says, like, this is one of my favorite songs for somebody else. Mm-hmm. It kind of blurs the line for me of like, well, was this an Elvis song that I remember hearing? Was it originally him? Or did he sing it and he made it popular? You know what I mean? I have things to say about that. And I know, Amir, you probably have things to say about that, too. And how the movie handles that. Let's just dive in. What are you guys' impressions of Baz Luhrmann's Elvis? I'm of two minds about this movie. Mm -hmm. I actually really enjoyed the first half of it or so. Even though it's like sort of this insane Elvis hagiography. It's really, really dynamic and fun and interesting for about the first hour, hour and a half. Mm Mm-hmm. I think once we get into the decline and fall of uh, Elvis Presley, I think it kind of loses its footing. I just don't know that the frame story really does the movie all that much justice in the end. A very, very weird choice. Which I like weird choices, but I don't know if it actually pays off. It creates this distance from Elvis that, I don't know, maybe it's the only way you could do it. Maybe you had to have some distances as a way to uh, a different angle on it, but it just... It feels, I don't know, it feels like maybe it wasn't the right choice. To put it simply, I liked the first half. The second half I could do without. It was two hours and 40 minutes long. That just felt way too long. Yeah. What did you guys think? I'll go after you because I think I'm almost the opposite. I think I like the second half more. I mean, overall, I don't think I really like this movie at all. But if you're going to split it up in halves, I think I like the second half more. And that's only because, like, I grew up in L.A., right? If anyone's listening to this podcast, no, I'm from L.A. I grew up in L.A. And, like, two things I did every year. I had a trip to Disneyland every year, and I had a trip to Vegas every year. 
right? That was just like something my family did every year, you know, growing up in LA, because Vegas is so close. My association with Elvis is very much Vegas, mostly like the Vegas impersonators of him, people that marry you or all the kind of different impersonation shows like Elvis impersonation shows that they have in Vegas. And like, I think once it got to that point, that's where it started to like, reach back to my own nostalgia, like my own childhood. And that's where I kind of related to it a little bit more versus the first half. Like I said, I don't really know Elvis. So like it wasn't something that pulled me in. And like overall, I think this movie goes at this like neck pace that is just unrelenting. Feels like really disjointed and it's like really hard to get your footing. You feel like you're going to be at this one place for a little bit and then it just moves on to the next chapter, right? It's like, Carney Elvis to Tor Elvis to Elvis that's gonna maybe go to jail to Elvis that has to go to Germany to Elvis that meets Priscilla to Vegas to death. It's everywhere and it just doesn't give you time to breathe. The movie really suffers from that for me. Fascinating. Jeff, what did you think? Now I'm curious. The official Strange Harbors take. (laughs) Emphasis on strange. Let's go. Let's hear it, Jeff. I have to ask you guys, have you guys ever seen Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? (laughs) Okay, I was going to bring this up because I had never watched Walk Hard before this. But I kept hearing, if you're going to watch a musical biopic, you should watch Dewey Cox story. And I watched it and I was just like... This is unbelievable how close I feel this Baz Luhrmann movie was to that movie. And it was just uncanny and ultimately even hurt my perception of Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. But I'm I'm curious, why did you bring it up then? So first of all, this movie follows the staid musical biopic formula to a T. Yes. It's very predictable. And if you've seen Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story... This movie pretty much hits all those same beats. There's a reason why that's a formula and why everyone uses that. And the reason that I can't really cast that as a negative are the things that Baz Luhrmann, Austin Butler, and Tom Hanks bring to this movie that just blows up that formula in ways that you don't notice it as much. I just think Baz Luhrmann, his maximalist style filmmaking is just so crazy. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say Austin Butler's Elvis is one of the best performances I've seen in years. He's so fucking good as Elvis, I think. I think someone on Twitter said, Austin Butler can do Elvis, but Elvis can't do Austin Butler, which I think is very, very funny. Because <laughs> you can compare like footage from like Elvis's later career, and Austin Butler is even more animated than the real Elvis actually was. So I think that's really interesting. And what I think is funny about this movie is that it's basically montage, the movie. (laughs) This is a two hour, 40 minute movie trailer. And I think this is the perfect, like, YMMV, your mileage may vary, you know? Mm -hmm. I think we said this about the black phone last week, too. But yeah, that too. (laughs) But I was totally on board with this. I really, really liked it. And there's a lot of things that, Amir, you said that I agree with. I think it's too long. And like you, I like the first half more than the second half. But I'm more like the last half hour, I was feeling the length a little bit, not like maybe the last hour. Okay. But I was totally on board for like the first hour and a half, two hours. And there's just 
so many choices that Baz Luhrmann makes here that's just outrageous. And it's so funny because, like, first of all, you have Austin Butler acting his ass off in this movie. And then you contrast it with Tom Hanks going, this is not Christmas or whatever, you know? like Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, so what the fuck was that? All right, let's talk about those two things. Let's talk about the frame story. Uh-huh. And let's talk about Tom Hanks fucking acting. I do really want to get to that, but I kind of want to talk a little bit about what Jeff said just now, just before we forget. I completely agree. I think Austin Butler is amazing. I think he's the best part about this movie. This is like potentially a star making turn for him. Like, I think he is just great in this. I was like, where did he come from? Right? Because I don't know him from anything else. I can't disagree with you guys. He's incredible in this. He does such a good job that you can see why Elvis was popular, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he is able to tap into the charisma of a megawatt all-time, like, best-selling solo record artist level of charisma and tap into that and make you believe that. So, yeah, he's incredible. I agree. I agree. Uh, The second thing you said, Jeff, we can elaborate on this later, but you said that you think Baz Luhrmann breaks the formula with what Austin Butler and and Tom Hanks and and him do in this movie. He doesn't break the formula. I feel like he elevates the formula. Okay. Because I feel like the exact opposite, especially watching this juxtaposed to, you know, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. I couldn't tell if Baz Luhrmann saw that movie and wanted to make a serious (laughs) take on that movie because it felt like it was hitting beat for beat, even hitting the same tones. There are scenes that are so similar and it's uncanny. I mean, I haven't seen Walk Hard in like years, so I can't really make mm-hmm. those comparisons. It's so weird to watch them back to back. And I'm curious to see why you think that. But before we do that, you know, we talked about how much we love Austin Butler's performance. But yes, we do need to get into the Tom Hanks performance, right? Uh, fuck you. I like Tom Hanks in this too. He rules in this. <laughs> Wait, what? I love fucking Tom Hanks in this. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. He's like Jared Leto in House of Gucci. Oh, no, no, no. no. Ooh, I do not think that's the same oh, level. No, I don't think he's that good at all. I like Jared Leto in House of Gucci. I did not like Tom Hanks in this. There's some times where you can get over it and he slips into the role and you're like, okay, I'm buying this guy as this complete piece of shit. But like, it it almost takes you out of the movie how bad he is. All right, I'll give you that. He does slip out of that character a little bit sometimes. I do agree with that. It almost takes you out of the movie. You're like, fuck, man. Like, uh, yeah, I think his performance is rough. And I think I think the frame story, I don't know if it does very much. So, okay, so to establish what we're talking about here, Elvis's longtime manager for all his career was a guy named, uh, a, well, a guy whose alias was Colonel Parker, Tom Parker. And he was... Actually, the entire time he was working with Elvis, he was stealing the guy's money, stealing Elvis's money um, in order to use it to finance his gambling problems and whatever his own personal projects were. So he spent, you know, 40 years or whatever stealing from Elvis. And all of this was eventually revealed after Elvis's death in a lawsuit against him. Um, and he was found guilty. And so the frame story of the movie, it's the Elvis story being told by Tom Parker I guess, on his deathbed. It's Amadeus, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because um, he's like you know, Salieri. He's, yeah, exactly. He's the Salieri, yeah, right? He's saying, oh, no, no, no. I didn't kill Elvis. I didn't destroy Elvis's legacy. I made Elvis. We were partners together. And, you know, we were family. And if only he'd listened to me, blah, 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 blah. But, of course, um, you know, the movie makes it quite clear that this guy's a complete scumbag, right? 
Like, you're not supposed to buy into his bullshit at all, right? Mm -hmm. The movie's clearly not on his side. But by telling the movie from the perspective of uh, Parker, you're so, so distanced from Elvis. Yes. And, I mean, on the one hand, I feel like it's maybe it's difficult to do it any other way because I don't know how much interiority you have into, like, like, I don't really know how much we know about Elvis's thoughts as, like, a I don't know, as like a, as like a civilization. Like, I don't know that much about Elvis, his biography, how, how many quotes he has. Like, could you really even do a good Elvis or was he sort of always a remote Hollywood figure where it's just difficult to figure out what his views would have been or, or how he reacted to certain things? Like, I, I don't even know. Is all of that even something you could do? Maybe that distance is necessary, but it did feel weird. And I just, even if it didn't feel bad, I, I don't quite know what i think it added yeah i think for me and this goes to my point i was saying earlier where it just felt really disjointed and i could never get a footing right like can never stand still for like a second in this movie and partially this feeling of not being able to get a footing is that like we would be so involved in the elvis story and then all of a sudden you're snapped out of it because you had to like jump to colonel what's his face shooting craps in a really badly cg created casino right and it constantly did that where it's like let's talk about elvis but let's not forget this is also a story about you know colonel parker it's about elvis it's about colonel it's about elvis this movie was called elvis and the colonel or colonel parker like if this movie wasn't called elvis maybe it would have been better but like i expected it to focus more on elvis and maybe not be so two-handed i guess I i don't know I just think it's just so much to have to cover the entire life of Elvis, but then also insert this other character. Yes, I understand it's important in his history, but like it wants to give you all of both of them in one movie. And that's why this movie is two hours and like 40 minutes, right? And it's a lot. It's a lot. I'll echo like what Amir said that like, I don't think this works from the perspective of Elvis. I think you need that distance from him for it to work. Just, like, the mystique and the draw of Elvis and, like, his effect on the crowd and, like, you know, his effect on Colonel Parker, you know, right? Like, I feel like that adds to the power of Elvis's legend. And I think if you do it from his perspective, you lose that. But it's also a little unwieldy to have it from the perspective of tom hanks in like prosthetics or whatever you know yeah and and then the other thing is too like it also works if it works as amadeus if the salier performance is good but i just don't think tom <laughs> hanks is that good in this so like that oh also man is i don't know if it's me i think you disagree you, i don't know you, if it's you, good you liked it but it's fucking funny and i was entertained it's something <laughs> it is something i was entertained the entire way with tom hanks's performance like the first time he listens to elvis on the radio and they tell him he's white. He's like, he's white? He's white? And it's just a look on his face is just so fucking <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just a lot of funny things in it. And, like, this maximalist filmmaking techniques that Baz Luhrmann used, it's just like... All right, whoa, 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 hold on. We're talking about Tom Hanks. Don't You're still talking about Tom Hanks? <laughs> I mean, I just like <laughs> no, Tom no, Hanks no, in we it. Can, we can, all right, all right, all right, all right, fine. <laughs> okay, so frame story doesn't work. Tom Hanks is bad. All right, let's go into maximalist <laughs> filmmaking, because I think we agree on this, Jeff. I really liked it. Really liked the first half. Yeah, it's obvious. It's on the nose. Oh, whoa, look. Elvis's two main influences are like the sensual, sexy blues and like gospel music. And we're literally 
showing those two things juxtaposed in the same like backyard lot or whatever. Whoa, like you know, okay, but that yeah, works, I get it, right? Well, that works, but it though. works. Yeah, yes. Yes, it works. So, like, fuck it. Who cares if it's obvious? It fucking works. It's great. Yeah, like, seeing Elvis catch the Holy Ghost in that little, like, revival tent or whatever. Dude, it all works. It owns. Yeah, there's that, like, triptych at the end where it's him in the gospel tent and then his first performance with Colonel Parker and then, like, one of his final performances all together singing, like, the same song. Like, that was fucking gangbusters for me. I got chills watching that. That was really, really good. But, I mean, there's so much fun shit in this that I just really, really liked. Insane needle drops of, like, modern songs. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I love that shit, too. Yeah, I loved it. I thought that was so smart. Doja Cat, Denzel Curry, what the fuck? Britney Spears, there's a toxic needle drop in this. What are you doing, Baz Luhrmann? It's so funny. It was really good. Like, I was like, oh, like, this guy is all of those artists, like, combined in yeah, terms of influence and pop, for sure, and for pop sure. culture relevance at the time, right? Like, you're drawing us into that world of, like, like he's hanging out with B.B. King or yeah. something, and you're getting, like, I don't know, was it Denzel Curry there or something? I don't know. And you're like, oh, I get it. This guy was as cool as, like, Denzel Curry is now. Or, like, this guy would be listening to Denzel Curry now, right? Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. it totally works. I completely agree. I, I loved those little touches of modern music. Absolutely. And there's, like, wacky shit in there, too. You know, the trouble sequence where he goes against RCA's wishes of not to, like, dance and wiggle on stage or whatever, right? And he's, like, dragged Mm -hmm. away by uh, his own people, and they're threatening him with jail. And, like, while he's being dragged away, it's, like, all these headlines just plastered on top of the montage and it's just like crimes of lust and perversion elvis under arrest you know it's it's really funny and like it's just so like out there and i just i just love those choices that baz Luhrmann makes here and and that's typical of him and color wise this is like dune's opposite those two movies are going to have a fight at the end of time <laughs> to determine whether color is going to continue to exist in the world. Because this is like the most, I won't say oversaturated, but just the colors are just everywhere. They pop. There's like some Michael Mann blue in there. Like, you know, it, it rocks, dude. Yeah. I love the colors. In this. It looks mm-hmm. good. This looks like a real movie, it looks I think. great. It looks like a yeah. real movie. Absolutely. So like to give people a taste of what this movie is like, there's a sequence where Elvis is contemplating his tv special his christmas tv special on the hollywood sign and at one point the camera zooms out and the hollywood sign turns into the word television for no fucking reason other than (laughs) he's gonna do a television special and i fucking love that it's so funny i don't know i just had a blast watching these little flourishes from baz Luhrmann. And, like, little touches that are silly. Like, he gets a death threat, and it's just a picture of him with the words, I'm gonna kill you on it, which is so funny to me, too. (laughs) (laughs) But there are a lot of things that I know didn't work for you guys, but those are the things that stick in my mind, yeah. Like, from a craft level, I can see why you really like this. There's a lot of fun little stuff he's doing. I just don't know, like, if someone's like, oh, should I go see Elvis? I don't know if I can say yes. (laughs) Really? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, would you tell people to go see this? I had so I much think fun. Of a certain age, <laughs> like, what, like children? No, no, like probably someone a little bit oh, older okay, than someone, us. Yeah, yeah. If you like Elvis's music, I can recommend this, right? Like, I'm not gonna. Okay. I really wish it was honed in a little bit. 
And maybe that would take away from this like maximalist film I think you love, Jeff. But I just wanted it to be more kind of pared down. It really skips over this idea like Elvis was like a, a you know a movie star for a second, right? But it barely gives you time to even like realize that. One point he's like, oh, I'm going to do movies. And then he's back into music, right? And like, yeah. or he's in Germany, he meets, you know, his future wife. And then like, that's it. 20 minutes later, their relationship's over. It's like, yeah, that was really jarring to me, actually. I understand like, it, you guys think it couldn't work more if you gave you more Elvis. Like, at the same time, this is a music biopic, they're going to make up shit anyway. Just make it up in a way, right? Like, just extrapolate like just give me more I, I don't know less colonel parker more elvis that's what i wanted i guess that's fair that's totally fair because a lot of this does feel rushed even at mm-hmm. two hours 40 minutes you know oxymoronic thing to say like it yeah. feels rushed but yet it's a two hour and 40 minute movie yeah which I'm, i know you said you didn't feel to the last half hour i i started feeling it about that hour mark before like we were done you know i i looked at my watch and i was like oh man i think there's like an hour left in this and i was like shit <laughs> And I think it's also because I don't know Elvis's story. I didn't have a gauge of when it was actually going to end, right? Yeah. Uh, I didn't know Elvis well enough to really judge, like, how fast we're proceeding through his life. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know, this really long and protracted kind of fall just felt inevitable and boring to me. I know it's hitting the music biopic notes and the real notes of his real life, but it's just so... Maybe because the story is so well-known, so iconic, you're just like, all right, like, I know where this is going. It just didn't didn't grab me. It's funny that you mentioned like it's a hagiography because it definitely is, right? This is very sanitized. Yes, let's talk about this. Like this is another way in which the frame story doesn't work because it uses Parker as the villain in order to present Elvis as a hero, right? In mm-hmm. order to make it so that like, oh, if it wasn't for Parker or if it wasn't for whatever, Elvis would have reached out to black people more or would have uh, embraced his image as an artist more. All the bad things are because Parker was holding Elvis back. Mm-hmm. And all the good things are Elvis making good decisions about, like, trusting his own spirit or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just, like, it's very, like, all right, come on. Like, even if that was true, I can't believe it because I don't think the movie's playing me straight, you know? Mm-hmm. Because it feels like you're trying to make a saint out of this guy, so I don't even know if I can believe this. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of that rang false, especially given that Elvis does have a bit of a checkered reputation somewhat. And so it's like... By not addressing it head on, and then also trying to portray him as a saint, I'm like, all right, I don't even know if I can trust this movie's perspective. Even if, yeah. I don't, even if in the end, I don't think it was dishonest. But. I think that's my big issue with the movie, too. It glosses over a lot of things that were, like, unsavory about him. He was abusive towards Priscilla, too, and, like, they totally gloss over how young she was. I mean, that was a different time, too, but, like... Yeah, but she was 14, he was 24, right? Yeah, that's super weird to me. When they met? And I think there's a lot to be said about, like, the influences of the black artists in this movie, too. You know, like, B.B. Mm-hmm. King, Big Mama Thornton, Little Richard, who all really did, like, in real life support Elvis, right? But I think this movie paints him as, like, this champion of this black music, where in reality, it's more like straddling the line between getting influences from these black artists and, like, Maybe even exploiting them a little bit, you know? Yeah, and even if he wasn't exploiting them straight out, it's like he exploited the racism of the society at his time in order to catapult above where those people were going to be able to land. Right, right. right. To, like, move black art into, like, his white 
space. And the yeah, movie does sure. even say it, right? It has B.B. King say that, hey, like, you're going to be able to take Little Richard's songs, like, to places he never could. Right, exactly. You're white, right? And Little Richard did support Elvis. He was a big Elvis fan. And a lot of these artists did support Elvis. James Brown did, you know? James Brown fucking loved Elvis. But on the other hand, Ray Charles is like, fuck that guy, you know? And uh, he was like, listen, like, Ray Charles said, I don't think Elvis is worth shit, basically. <laughs> it's on YouTube somewhere. You can listen to Ray Charles be like, what the fuck? Like, why should I give a shit about Elvis? I mean, Elvis was a talented guy. Well, uh, okay. Not necessarily. You'd know better than I. Yeah. Let, well, me, let me ask it differently. How good was Elvis? What Elvis did, he caused a lot of the populace, if you want it, and usually when people say populace, they usually mean white people. Uh, to start listening to a lot of music that normally they wouldn't have been listening to. I guess I'm going to lose uh, at least about a third of my fans right now. But to say that Elvis was was uh, so great and so outstanding, uh, like they say, he's the king, uh, I, got, I got in trouble because one guy asked me this question and I said the king of what, and he got mad at me. You see, I don't think of Elvis like that because I know too many artists that are far much far greater than Elvis. I think Elvis was person came along at the right time where he was a white kid that could do rock and roll or rhythm and blues or whatever name you want to call it and the girls could swoon over him. Nat Cole got in trouble in Alabama when the women swooned over him got put out of town and black people been going out shaking their behind for, for, for centuries. What the hell's unusual about that shaking the hips and stuff? And that's all Elvis was doing was copying that. And he was doing our kind of music. And that's also, I got to say, that's been the attitude of a lot of the black community for the last, like, at least couple of decades. Black people these days, I don't think, are the biggest fans of Elvis, at least mm. as far as I know. And maybe, like, the pendulum swung too far in the Elvis critical direction. I don't know. But, like, I grew up listening to shit like fucking uh, Public Enemy and in Fight the Power, Chuck D's, like, Elvis was a hero to most. But he never meant shit to me. Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me. If he's straight out racist, the sucker was simple and plain. Motherfucking ninja, Wayne. That was what I grew up listening to. You know? Or like fucking Most Def on uh, Black and Both Sides, Rock and Roll. He says, I mean, it's in the chorus of the song. You know, he says, I said it. Elvis Presley ain't got no soul. Chuck Berry's Rock and Roll. Elvis Presley ain't got no soul. Chuck Berry is rock and roll. You may dig on the Rolling Stones. They ain't come up with that style on their own. Elvis Presley ain't got no soul. Little Richard is rock and roll. And that's the whole song. Elvis Presley ain't got no soul. Little Richard is rock and roll. You know, he talks about uh, this kind of appropriation and this reputation Elvis has. And so, even though the movie does talk about it a little bit, it really doesn't address it head on. And it just feels like they're trying to get away with something. That's where you can cut out some of the Colonel Tom Parker stuff, right? And like, Bring a little bit of that interrogation into the movie. I think it would have made it so much stronger. Yeah, but instead they used Tom Parker to absolve Elvis of any blame. Yeah, 100%. Right? It made it like, oh, Tom Parker was so worried about Elvis's commercial appeal that he overruled Elvis's like natural, like natural moral sense for justice or whatever and like pressured him into like being pushed away from the black community, which I'm not going to say like Elvis was a racist or whatever. Like Chuck D even came out and apologized for that lyric uh, many years later. And, like, yeah. uh, all the evidence seems to suggest that, like, especially for his time, Elvis was, like, a good dude. He did grow up poor around black people. He did go to black churches. He did 
have relationships with his black contemporaries and positive yeah. ones and many of them. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that this guy was like a racist at all. I do want to put that out there. He was known to be like a champion of equal rights, you know, but like there is this area of him that should have been explored more in this movie. And I totally Chip agree. Yeah. probably strong. I mean, I think he believed in Yeah. I think he believed in equal rights. I don't know if he's a shit. I think he believed in equal rights, but I think he also did somewhat stay political at times. And I think he did later in life become uh, sort of a reactionary. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think he was a Nixonite by the end of his life and stuff like that. So that's like one of the biggest things in this movie I think uh, was a bit of an issue. Yeah, I agree. Like to kind of piggyback of all, all this, like this idea of, I know a lot of musical biopics do this. There is a sense of like revisionist history, right? Like trying to rewrite stories to be more uh, elaborate or more enticing. But I think there is a problem with this movie also trying to rewrite Elvis as maybe someone he was not. I mean, after watching the movie and then reading about Elvis afterwards, the movie really tries to paint him as this person that was really good friends with all these artists, but also like a person that was an activist in the sense that like, you know, the Christmas special was a good example, right? Yes, that song became a very popular like protest song, but the movie paints it in a light that he sat down and like specifically wanted to write this song as like a protest song. But like, all the research I found was just like, it wasn't necessarily true. Like it wasn't like that. It wasn't like something where he, he was trying to specifically write mm, a protest interesting. song. He wrote something that he wanted to write, but it later became like a protest song, right? So it's like, I think the movie itself is trying to paint him as someone maybe, not necessarily he wasn't, but like to, to twist the events like that, I think is a little on the cheap side for this movie. Mm. Uh, because Amir, I mean, you're bringing up all these good points about like who he was and who he wasn't, right? Entirely. Right, yeah. I think it's just a little more complicated than the movie paints it, you know? But it does do a good job of letting you see, like, the megawatt charisma of Elvis, right? Like, Austin mm-hmm. does a great job. He's fantastic. And, like, when all the girls are mesmerized, throwing their panties on the stage, seeing something they've never seen before, like, you get it, right? You get yes. that this guy was Prince, Michael Jackson, whoever you think like the biggest, most influential, yeah. like, you get that he was that of his time. Even if you don't yourself feel that way about him, you get why people felt that way at that time, right? Like, yeah. when they compare him to, like, the core, I just, I hate to say it, the corny-ass music that came before, um, with, like, no influence from the blues, right? That non-sexual, very stand-up, like, you know, mm. I don't know, I fucking took my horse down to the barn or whatever the fuck this guy <laughs> Like... <laughs> <laughs> when you compare that music to what Elvis was doing, it's like, oh, of course he was the biggest fucking thing ever. Look what the fuck they had to listen to before he came along and showed them, like, the blues. Mm-hmm. Their music fucking sucked. Yeah, like, you know? <laughs> contrasting with, like, Hank Snow or whatever in the beginning of the movie. Yes, exactly. Yes. The contrast yeah, yeah. with Hank Snow was so pointed. And, like, you get it. Um, you, you just get it. You're like, yeah, this makes sense. That sequence is so good, by the way, with all the girls in the audience, like, having their sexual mm-hmm. awakenings to yeah, Elvis's dude. first performance. That's so good. It's like the close-ups, really, the really, rapid really cutting on, like, Elvis's crotch and his pink suit. It's so fun. It's crazy. Kudos to the actress that, like, made me believe that she couldn't help herself but scream. You know, like, there's, yeah. like, that one... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just standing there and all of a sudden just, like, comes out of her like she couldn't control it. Like, How do you sell something like that? That's a good performance. I agree. 
I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, that sums it up for me, where I think Baz Luhrmann was correct in trying to portray Elvis. I was going to bring up this kind of contrast, like, have you guys seen the movie Yesterday? Yeah. The, the one about the, the revisionist, kind of like uh, the, the guy Beatles who one. steals all of Beatles music oh, and becomes basically no, as famous as the Beatles. I see that one. I know the one you mean, yeah. But, like, let's think about the Beatles. Like, the Beatles are very much like that, too. People were, like, girls teens everybody was just like screaming for the beatles in love with the beatles almost as much as like i think we're like in this but you never got that sense from that movie right that movie was very tame compared to this where like i think this one gets it so right yeah absolutely they were feeling something that they couldn't understand when they heard this music from this artist that made them feel like that they had to scream right if anything like i think every performance in this movie is just great we talked about the one in the pink suit at the beginning. We talked about the Christmas special. We've talked about the, the one where he's told not to jive, right? And I even think the last one, one of the last ones he does like in Vegas, right? The, mm-hmm. the His Vegas performance. I think all the performances in this movie are just great. I think it's because of Austin Butler, right? Like he is such a good performer and just really captures, you know, like I said, I don't know Elvis, but it captured something enough where I'm like, I believe this person is Elvis, right? Like he is someone that if I was in the audience, I'd be screaming, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of crazy to think that I've never felt like that for an artist. And mm-hmm. to think that maybe like someone did do that and like what it would have been to like be there, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I've ever felt like I've been in an audience like that. Have you guys ever seen an actual performance or like an artist that you thought was just next level? I don't even know if they have people like that anymore where people just completely lose their minds over even like the superstars today, like Gaga or or like, I don't know, Harry Styles or like One Direction and stuff, even mm-hmm. K-pop boy bands like BTS and stuff. I mean, people are obsessed, but you don't see people in the audience like needing an exorcism like they do here, right? I think people are just as obsessed, but it's not a universe, right? Yeah. Like, the market is so fragmented. There's not one artist who's doing that for everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, for some people, it's the K-pop guys. For some people, it's Harry Styles. For some people, it's Gaga. But there's no one artist who is that for everybody, which is what Elvis was or what Prince was or what Michael Jackson was. Yeah. You bring up some good examples. BTS is pretty fucking huge, though. <laughs> they are huge. They are huge. Uh, they are pretty fucking huge. Like I said, I think all the performances are really, really great. I mean, I probably can recommend this movie just based on those alone. You know, I think just the musical performances are really great. I do want to tell this really funny anecdote is that I mentioned I grew up going to Vegas a lot. And I've stayed at this hotel, this hotel that he does his residency, the uh, residency uh, international, the international. Yeah. But when I was growing up, it wasn't the International. It was bought out by Hilton. It was a Hilton for many, many years, actually, almost like 40 years. And that's where like I went a lot when I was a kid and I stayed at a lot. And I didn't remember this, but I think I've seen a show in that exact same theater. Because when I saw the theater in the movie, like the actual theater where he does his like performance in the International, like when I saw the theater, I was like, you recognize that? <laughs> I, I, I was like, I think I've been in that. I remember when I was a kid, I saw like a show. It was like a variety show where it's all the biggest Vegas performers impersonated. There was like a, mm-hmm. a Madonna performance. There was a Michael Jackson performance. And there was an Elvis performance. And I remember that theater. So it was like really weird to like see it. That's why I think I connected with the second half a little bit more. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I thought that was so funny where it just shot me back to my childhood like instantly when I saw that theater. That's so funny. That's cool. Um, is there anything else you guys want to bring up? This movie starts off with the fucking Starship Enterprise blasting off in Las Vegas. Did you guys notice that? Well, that's because that hotel for a very, very long time was famous for the Star Trek experience. Uh-huh. It had this Star Trek museum and like experience thing and like. That's why I knew I stayed there because I remember always going to that hotel and seeing all the Star Trek merch, Star Trek stuff when I was there. So, like, that's how I knew I stayed at that hotel because when you see the marquee at the beginning, it says the Star Trek experience and then it turns over into, like, Elvis Presley, right? When it transitions to, like, the Elvis Presley years and stuff. So, I thought that was that was pretty funny. But, yes, that's probably why you heard the Star Trek theme. There's just wacky shit in here. There's, like, a comic book sequence, too. Like, I forgot to mention that. There's, like, an animated comic book sequence where... Elvis, as a kid, he pretends he's Captain Marvel, Shazam, uh, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get to the Rock of Eternity. Just, like, wackadoo shit that, like, I just ate up. I just like filmmakers who go big, even if it's not perfect, you know? I'll take this over, like, I don't know, Bohemian Rhapsody any day. I don't know. You think Austin Butler's, like, a shoe in for Best Actor this year? For sure, right? I kind of hope so. There's no way he's, he's not. One of the best performances so far we've gotten. He's phenomenal in this. Who else is up there with him this year? Is there anybody? Vigo? No, I no. don't think he's going to get recognized. Yeah. I like Vigo in that, but like, there's no way that he's Academy. Near, yeah. Austin Butler checks all the boxes for the Academy. Yeah, I think at the moment, he's a shoe-in. We'll see what the second half brings, but at the moment. And to be fair, rightly so, I think Vigo's pretty subdued in that. I love him in it, but and even though I like that film a lot more than I like this, like... I think Austin Butler is so good in this. And you're right, he checks all their boxes. Yeah. Uh, he has to lose, I think, right now, right? Yeah. Jared Leto in Morbius? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of the movies I liked this year. And, like, aside from Leto, like, there's nobody up there. Let's be honest, it is early. I mean, a lot of the Oscar it performances It is not early, come. though. It's July. No, but you have to understand, like, Oscar season is, like, sure, it's like September December. to, like, December, yeah, right? Yeah, like, it's, yeah, yeah. That's we fair. haven't really seen the Oscar-worthy performances yet, so we'll see. That's okay. why I think this okay. is kind of quote-unquote early for that talk. That's but fair. at the same That's time, I could definitely see it because wasn't Rami Malek, he won? I don't know when that movie came out, but like, I mean, that's the last like big one that I can yeah. remember that's tied to like a biopic, right? A musical biopic. Very, very on brand, a musical biopic that he starred in, right? Hey, if he can win Best Actor through those buck teeth, <laughs> Austin Butler can definitely win for Elvis. But the thing is, I feel like the narrative maybe hasn't changed, but it's I think it's shifted in the sense that I think some people maybe think that he wasn't as deserving as he got, right? Who, Rami Malek? And like, for sure, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Exactly. So is there backlash where they don't want that to happen again, right? If they give it to Austin Butler, another lead in a musical biopic right? no. about a very famous... The thing with Academy is that never learns its lesson, so you're fine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. You got me there. All right. For now, definitely slot him in one of the five, right? That's going to get nominated. Yeah. I would love it. I think he's really, really good. If Tom Hanks gets su- supporting, I'm going to set something on fire, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to admit, I don't think Tom Hanks is very good with accents. Like, I think he should stay away from the accents, right? I don't know, man. I think I'll take a Tom Hanks in this or, like, Cloud Atlas over, like, your typical Tom Hanks performance 
any day. <laughs> well, maybe not like your typical, but like more recent, like last couple of years have been a little rough for him. I would admit. Yeah. stuff like the post or what was that plane movie? Sully. Yeah. Sully. I think that's just him going through the motions. I take him in this over either of those any day. Okay. Ugh, I don't know. Like maybe he's not going through the motion, but if he's trying hard at this, he's failing. I don't, I just, uh, all right. It's okay. It's There's okay. just something fun about the performance. I'm not saying it's good, but. All right, all right, all right. Fair, fair <laughs> Anything else on Elvis, guys? Can you say you recommend this or not? I think I can. I think Jeff says he could. Can um, you? Derek, you start off the most negative out of all of us, and now you think you can recommend <laughs> this? I mean, I could recommend it for the performances and like. I can't think of to whom I would recommend it, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like it's too long. For me to be like a casual person has to go watch this. But then like if That's you're an fair. Elvis – maybe if you're like an Elvis super fan, but I don't fucking know any of those. I'm not 900 years old. So like, <laughs> uh, who am I recommending this to? You know what I mean? Like, okay, Austin Butler's performance is tremendous. All right, maybe like a super movie buff who's just like, oh, you've got to see Austin Butler be great. Maybe that's who this is for, just like film buffs. Maybe. I mean, like, the name Baz Luhrmann. Enjoy, yeah. And they, Tom and they, Hanks. Maybe someone who enjoyed There's Baz Luhrmann. There's Austin Butler. Like, who else am I recommending this to? Baz Luhrmann fans and Elvis fans. Like, and no offense. I don't know how many Austin Butler fans are out there. Like, right. Who are, like, yeah. following his career who want to, like, see this. If there are, that's great. You should go see it. He's amazing in it, right? Uh, look, I, I come at this as if someone's like, hey, Elvis looks interesting. Should I go watch it? I'll be like, yes. You seem already kind of excited. Go do it. But if someone's coming at me and like, hey, I need a movie to watch. What should I watch? I'd be like, uh, go watch, you know, Crimes of the Love Future. and Thunder. Or I don't know if I can recommend that to like just anybody, but. Go watch Titan. <laughs> <laughs> now you're losing, BM. <laughs> Fun for the whole family. Yeah. Okay. Go and just some microplastics. Yeah. yeah. That's a fair distinction though, Derek. I understand that. Yeah. I get that. I agree with you, Derek. If you're already on the fence. You're like, oh, I kind of want to watch it. Yeah, for sure. Go see it. But like. If you're like, oh, what movie should I watch this weekend? I'm not sure it's the one that gets my vote. Like, go back and see, like, Pig or something if you haven't yet seen it. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many other movies. I'm like, if you just want to see a movie, there's, like, five movies from this year I would recommend over this. Like, without a doubt, you know? I mean, even if you're looking for a theater experience, you haven't seen Top Gun, go watch Top Gun. If you haven't seen everything everywhere, go watch that. Exactly. You know, like, yeah, this is, it's good, but you can wait for, like, a streaming or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a movie I watched because we were going to talk about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's the level of recommendation I would give it. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you guys aren't even like me where like I just totally love big swings. I think I like that more than even you guys. So like it's really hard to recommend something like this to like your average person who won't appreciate all the wacky shit that Baz Luhrmann does. And this, I think someone called this Baslerman Speed Racer, which I think is very, very funny. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> oh, I saw that funny. Which is kind of accurate here. Kind of accurate, but like, it's not that big. Like, it's not as big as that, I feel like. Yeah. I, I don't know about if you would Speed agree, Speed Racer's Jeff. better than this. Oh, 100%. Speed Racer's definitely better than this. <laughs> yeah, go watch that. How about that? Go watch that. All right. Well, you guys know where we stand. Go watch it if you want, but... If you're looking for something else, you know, like I said, go watch Top Gun, go watch everything everywhere yeah. if it's still in theaters, you know. I think there's some better movies still in theaters at the moment. Says you. <laughs> yes, just says me, right? You Go watch it and you can totally just disagree with me if you want. One more thing I want to mention. I really like how this thing ended. 
where they had Austin Butler do Elvis's final performance, and it transitions yes. into the archival footage. The real, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was really, really good. And I think the bloated Elvis makeup on Austin Butler is very good. That meme is hilarious. I love that meme. Where they put him on hot ones, yeah. it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> To speak on that, I do agree. I think it works in this movie. I think some movies try to do that and it doesn't always work, right? Where they like transition to like a real performance. I think this one does work really well because I think one, the makeup, I guess this quote unquote fat makeup works really well. (laughs) I did a double take. I was like, wait, did they just transition? Mm -hmm. And they did. So I think it worked really well for this movie. Yes, I I agree. I think the ending works really well. I'm seeing big things for Austin Butler, too, because I think... Uh, I hope so. He's casted in Dune, right? Yeah, he's the new uh, Fade Rotha. Nice. That means nothing to me, but it means everything <laughs> to Amir. <laughs> I mean, I'm sold, because this performance is so good. I'm sure he'll do some great things with that, so... I would like to see Baz Luhrmann's Dune, now that you think about it. <laughs> Baz Luhrmann's oh, Dune! Oh, man. <laughs> oh, dude. That would rule. Now that you put that in my head, that's all I want. <laughs> Wouldn't that rule? You know how, like, at the beginning of this movie, it's like the gilded ornaments mm-hmm. opening the up title into, sequence, the, yeah. into the movie it could be like the the worm mouth opening up for <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all the teeth all, all the, the teeth. teeth yeah yeah that's funny all right that will conclude this week's episode jeff where can people find more of your work you can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com and you can also find me on twitter and instagram at strange harbors what about you guys you can find me listening to Most Def and Chuck D and Ray Charles and saying, fuck Elvis. What about you, <laughs> You can find me at The World's OKS Photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker fan mail, shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We <laughs> like getting listener mail, and sometimes we read it on the pod. So feel free to do that, and we will see you guys next week for Thor, Love and Thunder. I think that's what we're doing, right? Yeah. I think that's it. We'll see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then. <laughs>